Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me. Today is Monday, March the 7th. It is Mailbox Monday, and you guys have a lot of questions. It's going to be a great episode. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm glad you guys have joined me today. Mondays are the day when I take the time to answer your questions, and today is going to be no different. I'm very, very glad to see so many questions popping up in the queue, and I want to get to as many of them as I can. I'm going to start today with a couple of voicemails that I got at Anchor.fm. Now, if you've never left me a voicemail at Anchor.fm, it's very, very easy to do. You just need to go, well, go to Anchor.fm forward slash Heidi St. John forward slash message. And I will link back to how you can do that in the show notes today. But the first one has to do with PBS. I'm going to play the message and then I'll answer it. Hey, Heidi. What do you think about PBS and PBSKids.com? I occasionally let my kids play games on PBSKids.com, but I'm starting to feel more and more that that little uh, flag in my spirit that says, Maybe you shouldn't. I can't really find any information out there, and I probably wouldn't trust it anyway. What do you think? So actually, this is a really good question. I want to read to you an article that I that I noted recently. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but just last month, well, actually, no, it's January now, so not last month, two months ago, uh, PBS Kids officially canceled Arthur. Now, this goes to my belief that you go woke, you go broke. I think this is inside the church. I absolutely think we're seeing it in children's programming, and PBS is no different. I wouldn't let my kids watch PBS for all the tea in China. I wouldn't put them on their website. You can't trust these people as far as you could throw them. So Breitbart reported... Uh, On January 25th of this year, it said PBS children's program, Arthur, is officially no more. Boo-hoo. The longest-running animated children's series ever on television is canceled, with the public broadcaster confirming the final four episodes will be aired next month. The end comes after Arthur increasingly promoted a series of woke left-wing positions, with the show announcing in the spring of 2019 that Mr. Ratburn, Arthur's teacher, was homosexual and premiered an episode with a gay wedding. Then came the so-called anti-racism ideology that aired in 2020. As Breitbart News reported, Arthur featured an episode in which Arthur and his friend Buster appeared to discuss the video showing the death of George Floyd. So based on, uh, this was originally based on the Arthur Adventure book series that was uh, written and illustrated by Brown. Arthur premiered in October of 1996, and it is now gone. I hope PBS takes a little bit of a lesson from this, the woke playbook of the leftist propagandists who run Blue's Clues and Sesame Street. So I wouldn't put my kids anywhere near Arthur, anywhere near PBS. I think that's a great question. Uh, thanks for tu- thanks for uh, tuning in, you guys, and thanks for sending those. Again, you can leave a voicemail for me at anchor.fm. All right, next question comes from Anne, and she wants to know what should she do with a friend of hers who really believes there should be a separation of church and state? I'm going to play her voicemail, and then I'll answer it. Hi, Heidi. My name is Anne, and I have a question. What would you say to a friend who is a believer, but that argues that the separation of church and state is what's actually best for our country? 
I don't know how to have that conversation with her. Um, She just does not see much of an issue with taking God out of our schools, taking God out of our government, just leaving that completely separate. So my question for you is, what would you say to that? So this is a great question. I get it all the time here at the show. And so some of you have heard me talk about this before. It's really important that you understand the history of where that phrase came from. I'm going to read a little bit for you. There's some great articles at the Heritage Foundation. I will link back to these in the show notes today. But it says Thomas Jefferson used a metaphor uh, called the wall of separation between church and state in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association. But it's interesting to note that with all of Jefferson's discourse on religion, he only used the phrase once. So what did he mean by the phrase? Well, some history is in order. The presidential campaign of 1800 was one of the most bitterly contested presidential elections in American history. Republican Thomas Jefferson defeated Federalist John Adams. During the campaign, the Federalists attacked Jefferson's religious beliefs, arguing that he was an atheist and an infidel. Some were so fearful of a Jefferson presidency, they buried their family Bibles or hid them in wells, fearing that President Jefferson would confiscate them. Dwight Timothy or Timothy Dwight, who at the time was the president of Yale College, even warned a few years before that if Jefferson was elected, quote, we may see the Bible cast into a bonfire. Boy, has Yale come a long way. These concerns were unwarranted since Jefferson had written a great deal in the previous two decades about his support of religious liberty. In the midst of these concerns, the loyal Republicans of the Danbury Baptist Association wrote to the president congratulating him on his election and his dedication to religious liberty. President Jefferson used the letter as an opportunity to explain why he did not declare days of public prayer and thanksgiving as Washington and Adams had done before him. In his letter to them on New Year's Day in 1802, Jefferson agreed with their desire for religious freedom, saying that religious faith was a matter between God and man. Jefferson also affirmed his belief in the First Amendment and and went on to say that he believed it denied Congress or the president the right to dictate religious beliefs. He argued that the First Amendment denied the federal government this power, quote, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. It appears that Jefferson's phrase actually came from the 1800 election. So this is really, you know, in his letter to the to the Danbury Baptist, and there's a really great article called The Myth- Mythical Wall of Separation Between Church and State. And this was a basically a misused metaphor. So I'm going to encourage you to do your homework on it. I've spoken about this a, a bunch on the podcast. So I'm not going to belabor the point anymore right now. But this idea that Christians have no place in politics or that or that there's no room for prayer in Christian schools or that, heaven forbid, we shouldn't be able to pray on the floor of the House of Representatives completely misunderstands and misuses what Thomas Jefferson was saying in the first place. And it's been a long time since that happened. And this is what we hear coming from the radical left, misinterpreting what Thomas Jefferson meant in the first place. And you guys have heard me say this many, many times. I believe that Christians belong in every sphere of influence. That's different from wanting to establish a theocracy, from wanting to establish a Christian government. America is not a Christian nation. 
And it's wrong for Christians to try to make the government into a Christian government. But Christians should be in every sphere of influence. Men and women who uh, who are basing their foundational principles, their guiding principles on the principles of the Bible. We recognize what happens in our schools, in our universities, and in our government when we take out the principles that made this nation uh, the incredible nation it was in the very beginning. And so uh, I totally reject the myth of mep- of uh, separation of church and state, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. I want to just quickly say thank you to Ashley, who has been a recurring donor here at the podcast and just sent me the sweetest note ever. So Ashley, I read that note to my staff, and I wanted to say thank you for it. Uh, God bless you guys. Your financial support of this ministry is a major, major part of why we're able to do what we're doing. And so we thank you guys from the bottom of our heart here at the show. All right, I'm going to rapid fire answer your questions. All right, Kelsey from Wyoming. Heidi, I love your show. I've been listening for about six months. I've recently stepped out and I'm making plans to homeschool next year. What are your thoughts on big tech and should we be boycotting things like Amazon? I currently use Amazon and it sounds like you do also. I try to buy locally and made in the USA, but I've been wondering if I should take it a step further with Amazon. All right. So Kelsey, this is a great question. You know, I'm a huge fan of buying local, uh, getting your stuff from the small grocery stores rather than the big big box stores whenever you can. We definitely need to stop pushing the uh, things that are bought, that are made rather and sold from China. China does not have the best interest of the United States at heart, and we need to be doing a whole lot more talking. In fact, I'm going to have some guests on the show in the next couple of weeks about what's happening in China because China is a major, major threat to the United States. That said. There are other threats coming, right, from from big tech, Amazon. I'm no fan of, of Amazon, but I do use their service, as you have rightly pointed out. Whenever I have an opportunity, I'm going to buy local. I'm going to know where my meat is sourced. I'm going to know where my groceries come from. I'm going to know the person that owns the little mom and pop store. I love to shop local in my hometown of Battleground, Washington. You're more likely to see me at a little tiny uh, Barrel Mountain Brewery than you are at a national restaurant chain because I believe in supporting local businesses first. And so uh, while I'm upset with Amazon, I haven't completely boycotted them, especially during COVID, it would have been almost impossible. But whenever I get the chance, I buy local and I don't use Amazon nearly as much as I used to for that very reason. Laura from Tennessee, what advice do you have for someone wanting to start a ministry or program that would assist families who are new to homeschooling and to become an advocate for home education? I've been stirred by the Lord for a few years now to come alongside other moms and help them be the mom they are called to be for their child. I'm on my 16th year of homeschooling my 10 kids, woo, woman, and a niece and a nephew. How did you start your resource center and what did that look like over the years? All right, Laura. Uh, We are going to be giving out more information on how we've started the Homeschool Resource Center. We've got a lot of really exciting things coming up, and I will probably dedicate a couple of podcasts just to that. But I shared on my birthday episode last week about how Jay and I started out by planting homeschool cooperatives. You can go to Firmly Planted Family and you can actually purchase a manual that will take you through the start to finish of starting your own homeschool resource center and also a homeschool cooperative if you decide to go that route. I will tell you, and this is the big um, issue that we're facing here at Firmly Planted Family right now, is the buildings are the barriers. And so if there's someone listening to this show and you want to reach out to me and you've got a really great idea about how we can start funding 
buildings, which is what we would like to do, and we're the board of directors and several other people working our way through that right now, homeschoolers need access to facilities like public schools. And public schools have those facilities because why? They take your tax dollars. Well, we could talk all day long about how I think that that particular taxation is theft, property taxes, like you can never really own your house, all these things. And where's that money going? It's going to fund things that we don't participate in and we don't even agree with half the time. And so in praying about this and looking at it, we really believe that homeschoolers need their own facilities. We're working on a way to do that. If there's someone listening to this right now that uh, is interested in reaching out to me, I would be interested in having that conversation. Uh, But I love what you're doing. Honestly, Laura, if it was me and I was starting all over again, uh, I probably wouldn't do a whole lot different. I took the time that I had and I asked my church if I could just open up, you know, the fireside room once a month. And I taught homeschooling 101. We did a homeschool support night group where we just answered questions and made sure people didn't feel alone. That to me is the most important way to do this. All right, ladies, I know what kind of a beating good towels can take. Believe me, with seven kids, towels are used for everything from cleaning up an accidental spill on the kitchen floor to drying off your four-legged buddy. You want your towels to stay soft and absorbent when you need it most for bath time, right? Well, my towels from my pillow are the best towels ever. They come in seven colors, have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Seriously, it's a game changer. Listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast can get up to 66% off by going to MyPillow.com and using the promo code Heidi or by calling 1-800-447-0541. Katie from Bremerton has a response to Grand Canyon University. She's a, it's a pretty long letter, but basically she's basically saying It's working out pretty good for her, and she uh, hasn't had any trouble so far. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Again, I think it's uh, important for parents to stay in in touch with what's happening at their colleges. I have actually heard more bad news about Grand Canyon University than good news, so I'm glad to hear that somebody's, uh, somebody's doing okay. Parents, do not take your eyes off of the education that your children are receiving when they go to college. Oftentimes people come home, uh, these kids come home from college and their parents don't even recognize them. This is part of the reason why I read the Grand Canyon University uh, story in the first place is because I want you guys to understand you can't just, you can't just take at face value any college or university's, you know, um, commitment to Christianity. And I put that in air quotes because not all, uh, not all determiners from a worldly perspective, from God's perspective, of course, it's all the same. But in the world, the determiners for what is Christian and what is not are rapidly changing and parents need to stay engaged. Becca from Hendersonville, how do you handle the situation of disagreeing with your husband on an important life issue? What's the line between submitting and not wanting to have him make the wrong decision? Well, Becca, I don't feel like I have enough information here to answer your question. When you say important life decision, uh, what you know? What are we talking about? I I don't know if 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 it's an important life decision you're talking about homeschooling or or sending your kids to school. I would always advocate for you uh, for the marriage to be strong. You guys want to be on the same page, right? My husband would never make um I don't know how to say it a, 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 you know a life altering decision. And do it against my will. You know, he would listen to me. I would listen to him. I'm not going to go out and buy a new car without talking to him. You see what I'm saying? So I don't really know what you're talking about with regard to life-altering decisions. The only things that I think are deal breakers, if your husband was was to ask you to do something that you knew was contrary to scripture, or you knew that it was going to cause you to sin, 
then those are deal breakers. But when you're talking about decisions that have to do with education or the size of your family or, um, you know, you have a difference of philosophy, I will always encourage you to um, walk in in harmony as much as possible uh, with your husband. And I've known many, many couples over the years, both husbands and wives who have come at this from different perspectives. Like maybe the wife is more liberal and the husband's more conservative or the wife doesn't want to homeschool and the husband wants her to or whatever. You could change the roles very, very easily. But we know that the family's under attack right now. Nurture your marriage. All right. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. And honestly, Becca, without much more information, uh, it's really hard for me to answer that question uh, well for you, but my default is always going to be, unless it causes you to sin or go against, or it goes against what you know to be a, com- a clear command in scripture. I mean, I had somebody, you know, write in one time and ask about plurality in marriage, and that was what her husband wanted to do, wanted her to do. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you can make a pretty strong case for why that's never going to be a good idea. Uh, not the least of which is what the Bible has to say about it. So uh, that's where I would uh, start with that. Becca, if you want to write in and give me more information, uh, that'd be helpful. Anonymous from Ohio. I think I might have time for two more. Anonymous from Ohio. Our state offers 30 hours of free college classes to public school kids, while homeschoolers get only 12 from the same program. There's a shocker. Some homeschoolers in our area have found a way around this and they will enroll their kids in public school, but have their child take all online college classes. They never actually step foot in the high school, but get their diploma from the public school and two free years of college. Just to note, college courses can be through a Christian college. What are your thoughts on this? Should we take advantage of this through the public schools or steer clear? Uh, you know what? I can see why this question is anonymous. That's a tough one to answer. If if you're just talking about Heidi St. John, I don't like any of these programs. I don't like their wokeism. I don't like the professors. I don't like the way that they try to uh, turn students against their parents, particularly Christian schools. I don't like that there's an obvious bias against homeschoolers. There are lots and lots of options that don't involve public universities and public funding and public schools. Uh, I think it's, you know, high time. And I've been Seeing this for a while, you know, we stop calling them public schools and start calling them government schools because that's exactly what they are. And so, um, it's this is not a sin issue, you know. And I, so I want to I want to be sure you guys hear my heart on this. I have plenty of friends who've chosen to take advantage of these programs, and we're still friends. We're not sitting arguing about it. But if they're at my house, you know, asking me what I think about it over dinner, I'm going to say it's it's not a good idea. That's what I'm going to say. So. That's what I would say to you. But at at the end of the day, if you and your husband or you and your kids decide this is the way to go, I would say ask the Lord for wisdom. We don't want to do things that are dishonest. Um, That's another component of it. And clearly they have obviously, you know, they have a bias against homeschooling families. But I would say find other options. There are lots and lots. I mean, for goodness sake, Liberty University, Patrick Henry College. There are wonderful, I think, um, Arizona Christian uh, has a, a wonderful program too. There are wonderful ways for your kids to get college credits without having to go through the uh, the community colleges, which for the most part are garbage. So um, there you go. Twyla from Washington, thank you for all you do. You're welcome, Twyla. 
Uh, I listen to your podcast daily. I'm a mom of littles and starting next year, I will need to begin homeschooling because public school is not an option. Yeah, you right. I recently heard you say that for every child pulled out of public school, it's $17,000 less that the school district receives and lit a fire under me to create more opportunities for my community to pull their children out of school and have support from the homeschool group. Let's kick the public school system right where it hurts, right? Yeah, you right, Twyla. We're talking the same language. I can tell that you're from Washington. Uh, my question is, what's the difference between starting a homeschool resource center like you guys did versus a homeschool co-op? So I just talked about this for a moment ago. Uh, I think I told you that my husband, Jay, and I planted over 60 homeschool cooperatives around the nation in Canada and Germany over the last 20 years. The difference between a homeschool co-op is it typically meets once a year. Uh, the parents are there because the parents are pooling their resources to teach classes. It's largely, um, it's very, very eclectic and largely uh, elective classes that are taught there. There are some, you know, core classes that are taught, but when you only meet, you know, one one day a week from like nine to 12, it's very hard to have that be the, the core of your program. The difference between the homeschool co-op, which meets one day a week, typically from like nine to 12 or from 12 to three or whatever, and a homeschool resource center is that the homeschool resource center is full time. So this building is open sometimes seven days a week. We have the bulk of our classes happen Monday through Thursday. Um, and everything we do here is done all cart. So if a mom or dad came in off the street and said, hey, we're going to pull our kids out uh, of the public school here, but we're really, we don't, we don't want to teach chemistry or we're worried about algebra or they've got a child with a learning disability or a child with dyslexia or whatever it is, we're going to be able to give them the help that they need. And again, everything is done a la carte. The teachers here work for themselves. It's a very unique program that we have here. And uh, as I said, we are very, very seriously praying about and pursuing being able to get these centers in places all across the United States. So keep us in prayer for that, you guys. But that's the difference. Homeschool Club meets only once a week for a very limited amount of time. It's a great, great, great uh, format if you're looking to build relationships and that kind of thing. The Homeschool Resource Center meets four days a week. Uh, kids are here more often. Again, at the Homeschool Resource Center, we don't, this is not a drop-off. Families are here. And so we're ministering to the entire family. So hope that helps. And uh, let me see what time it is. Oh man, you guys, I'm over time, but I'm gonna do one more because I'm afraid I'm falling behind. Macy from Arizona. Last question of the day. A year ago, our first son was born and unfortunately the birth was very traumatic and I had severe blood loss that was nearly fatal. While we are doing great now, it rocked my husband and he is fearful about future births. I really want to have three to four children, but his fear is holding him back to have more kids. Any advice? Uh, I am praying for him and God's will to be done. All right. So you guys have heard me talk about this before. Uh, one of the births that I had, one of our children, was a traumatic birth. I suffered what was called a catastrophic blood loss. It took me about five months to get better from that. We went on to have four more children after that. Listen, you guys, I believe that our days are in the hands of the Lord that our days were ordained for us. We cannot live in fear. I don't care if it's COVID or childbirth or cancer. We cannot live in fear. And when we are living in fear, we're not trusting the Lord. Now, that's not an excuse to be reckless. But, and I understand your husband's fear because I had the same kind of fear. Um, and so did my husband. Anytime something goes wrong, you know, uh, we're fearful. Sure, but we trust the Lord. And so I would just encourage you not to not to live in fear um, you know, we suffered through uh, the loss of a child through miscarriage, very painful. And I'm glad that I did not allow that loss, that devastating loss 
to keep me from the joy of having more children. And I would say the same thing for a traumatic birth like that, and particularly where it's nearly fatal. I know exactly how that feels. I had a similar thing happen. And I am glad that I did not give in to that spirit of fear. It would have kept me from an incredible blessing in the children that God gave us in the years that followed that delivery. So I hope that encourages you, Macy. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me. If you've got questions you want addressed at the show, you can shoot them to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox monday thank you guys so much for listening we appreciate your questions and your financial support and you can support us there is more information on the link how to do that in the show notes today have a great day everybody and i will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture